Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome. Great to have you with us. This is the show that Matt Catrillo lives for. Because Matt is Matt takes no greater delight in this show than moments when people are fired. He lives for it. It means everything to him. And today they have fired one of his guys. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory, with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Fabulous service department led by great technicians who take care of the life of the vehicle, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. Neil Coolong in a half an hour. But first, the Macatrillo rant of the day. And if he sounds happy, it's because anytime any person is fired, with the exception of family members, he's happy. Bingo! Yeah, Doc Rivers is gone, as expected. Now, listen, this season, I don't necessarily put on him. I think it was a combination of different things. It was the incompetency of James Harden. It was, once again, no depth from the top of the organization. But he had, I would give him a little bit piece of the blame pie here. But really, I don't think he had been that great a coach here for the Sixers. His rotations were dumb. That was the biggest gripe of me. And just really no sense of being able to adjust on the fly. Can I, can I ask you who should have been in the rotation? Well, certainly not George Niang or but, certainly not. Okay. Then who, do, who replaces George Niang in the rotation? That's the problem. He didn't get that from there. But when the, when the rotation, I'm saying is you he would put all the starters in and then take all the starters out and put the second team in, and that's when teams got back into the game. He didn't do that as much this season, but he still did it quite often enough. And there were certainly times during the playoff run where I'm thinking, why isn't Harden back in the game yet? Where's Embiid? Why is he back in the game yet? He was too concerned about rest and and whiling, and and just pushing the guys when you have to do so with this time of the year. Do you think maybe he asks them and he finds out they're not ready yet? Too bad. That's on them. If Embiid wasn't if Embiid wasn't healthy enough, then he shouldn't have been cleared by the docs. When you it comes to that, if he wasn't in shape, that's that his own fault. If Harden's not ready that, for it, that's his own fault. You have a team that has does not have a lot of heart, in my opinion. I agree. Because okay. the, the and, one thing and, I kept hearing is mental toughness, and, too. And that's and not you, good either. You, and you can't coach that. You can't coach that. You know, you can coach all you want, right? But, like, Harden comes in. Harden had nine points in the in the game against the Celtics on Sunday. Nine. Okay? His biggest game is a Philadelphia 76er. He had nine. Right? Come down the floor, he'd lob it into Embiid. Come down the floor, he'd lob it into Embiid. He acted like he didn't want to play. 
Agreed there on, in that case. I think Harden's right. a different I, case because right. that's I, that's I, how you, he's always been. Well, how do you coach that? See, I think, right, he's not – Docket Rivers is absolutely not the issue. He is not the issue with this team, not in the least. But it was the easiest thing for them to do to say, look, we're doing something. But here's here's where my concerns come into play here. You've got a lot of good names on here of, of people that are apparently looking at according to Woj, but there are some red flags on here as well. And you also have to do a couple other things too. First of all, if this is about appeasing James Harden because apparently he wanted Doc to go if he was going to stay with the Sixers and opt into his contract this year, if this is about keeping Harden and making him happy, well, then you might as well keep Doc and you might as well don't do anything because guess what? That's the wrong path to go down. If you're going to put all your eggs in the basket of a guy that came up ab- just absolutely small in game six and seven and at other points during the season, then you're already heading in a bad direction. I don't care who you bring in as a head coach. You might as well have kept Doc. If you want to bring in guys, again, to appease Harden, like a Mike D'Antoni, who's been retrend after retrend, and he also has shown that he can't win it all either. He'll have a good regular season but can't win it all. Then guess well, what? Doc's, just stick with Doc, Doc, Doc Rivers. Doc's won it all. He's won one, and that was in 2008. It's been a little bit. But Mike D'Antoni, but at least okay, he's won on, one. D'Antoni hasn't hold, won any. Hold, hold on a second. Okay. I, I I always take exception when somebody says he's won only one. Do you know how hard it is to win one? I get it. I get it. I mean, if anybody ought to know it's you, your teams don't win at all. <laughs> I know how it's hard to win, but I think when it comes to coaches... I mean, the, the Yankees have one of the highest payrolls in baseball. They haven't won it since 2009. Well, I don't think Boone's you know. that great a manager either. I've, t- I've said that before. I don't think your players are as good as you think they are. I think that's I yeah, I think that's also true. And I, I don't think Cashman's done a great job the last couple of years either as GM in you helping your manager. But you can't okay, it's a lot of things have to fall into place. Okay. And uh to make it happen. Last year Golden State, okay, things fell into place. They won. This year Okay, they could tell right away they weren't as good as they were last year. Right, a lot of those guys are the same guys. Loney's still there, right? Curry's still there. Thompson's still there. Draymond Green's still there. Jordan Poole's still there. Um, Wiggins is still there. A lot of the same guys, but it just they just couldn't get going. They just couldn't do it. Right? It just it takes a lot to do it. And again, I keep going back. And I said this yesterday. Okay, I'm sitting there, and I've got a choice between, okay, let's see. Let's pick a non-MVP guy. Um, we got, I'll, I'll stay away from Ortiz, all right? But I've got a chance to win a game. Okay, I'll give you one for you. Okay, in his prime, in his prime, I've got a chance to put David Freeze at the plate or Aaron Judge. Who do you put at the plate? I'm talking about in his prime. 2010-2011. Yeah, if we're talking postseason, yeah, David Freeze. Yeah, I see exactly. where you're going with that. Because guess what? He has proven to me, right, on a pressure-packed stage that he'll come through with big hits. Yeah, World Series MVP in 11, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying he's not a, he's not a league MVP. He's not. 
Um, you know, Derek Jeter's not really a power hitter. He's, he hit with some power, but I'd rather have him up. Oh, no question. I mean, that, he's in a different category. At the plate, in certain situations, yes. In the field, no. Um, I know you got, I mean, anybody who's real, there's one thing that gets me about some of the biggest stars. If you're realistic about them, people can't accept it. Like, Jeter is a good fielder. He is not a great fielder. Okay? Well, I think that's fair, though. If I were to sit there and talk about Caitlin Clark, oh, I can't talk about her. Oh, yeah, you can. She's a basketball player. Okay, guess what? It's not. He's not a good defender. Uh, she's great at a lot of other things, but not that. Um, and that's James Harden, by the way. Harden no question. Defend, Harden can't defend the suit. Absolutely. And the, and the suit can't go left. Part uh, of the reason so, why I don't want him back. Um, but the um, I mean, there's certain guys that, for whatever reason, okay, I'll give you one who just got into the Hall of Fame. I have a choice between Clayton Kershaw and a guy who's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? And a guy that just barely got in uh, on, like, the last time through, Jack Morris. Which guy do I want pitching game seven? I want Jack Morris. Between the Tigers and the Twins in the postseason, oh, my goodness. Dominant, as opposed to when Kershaw pitches, it's a soap opera. In the regular season, Kershaw. I mean, just some guys that when they get to a certain point, money's on the table. They're just different players. Okay, you may not who I I you know, this has nothing to do with politics. Zero, nothing. Zero. You give me a choice between Clayton Kershaw and Kurt Schilling. Guess who gets the ball? It's not. I mean, it's not even a debate. Yeah, that that I definitely agree with. Yeah, Kurt right. Schilling. Uh, but I take Jack Morris. Jack Morris right. is a great no, postseason hey, pitcher. You. Yeah, right. And Kershaw in the regular season is tremendous. Has he been a little better in the postseason? Yeah, because they finally won. Yeah, it was good when they won in twenty twenty in the bubble right. there. Yeah, right. And you know, but other years like like. He pitched in the 2018 World Series. I couldn't wait for him to run out. I'm like, going, go ahead, run him out. <laughs> He'll be gone by the fifth. <laughs> the way it is, certain guys are just good under pressure. Your guys are not good under pressure. Harden never has been. Harden has never been good under pressure. Embiid, you know, want to know what? Embiid's played in six playoffs. How many of the six has he shot over 50% from the field? Not much. One. Okay, you're talking about a seven-two guy, whose field goal percentage is under fifty percent in five out of six playoff years. Really? Not to mention, seven... as I said yesterday, five out of the six, he's also been hurt. So was he hundred percent? I don't know if we'll ever know that. But regardless, he's not at on the top of his game when he needs to be. So it's absolutely he... right. We came into the league hurt. Exactly, and guess what? I hated it when the Sixers drafted him because I didn't think it was going to work out. Now, obviously, I've eaten crow for the most part since then, but yeah, he's no, come up small. Oh, I'd have drafted him. I I hated that. I, I, I hated thought, the I Sixers thought, drafting him at the time because I just didn't think it was going to work. 
Oh, I thought I I thought it was a great move by them because he fell to three, and you're looking around going, I'd have taken him at one. It's funny. I've hate I've hated the, the, every time that the Sixers had a top three pick. The two times they had number one, the one when they got Embiid, I didn't like any of the picks at the time. Hated Embiid at the time. I really hated Simmons at the time. I hated Fultz no, at I the time. Fultz, I laughed. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not kidding. I laughed. Because going into the draft, I was doing pre-draft shows, and I said the best player in the draft is Jason Tatum. Exactly. And, and at the, the time, the, you had Danny Age being a snake, and I knew that right away, and the Sixers fell right into his trap, and then he got Tatum at three. Excuse me. Why is he a snake for making a trade? He had the first overall pick. I, I guess I made it more as a, as a compliment because he knew what he was doing. I mean... It was a little too I harsh watched. of a word. But my, my point is, he knew what he was doing, and the Sixers fell right into his trap. And look where that's got him. Nowhere. He traded down, and he got the best player in the draft. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, and then, uh, Simmons, I said once, I said a bunch of times in the show, I said, I wouldn't draft Simmons. Over and over again. I watched him play at LSU, and I said, I don't get it. Oh, yeah, I thought he was overrated. I mean, I mean, I kept saying, I, with Fultz, I kept looking at Fultz. I watched Fultz. I deliberately stayed up late to watch some couple of Washington games, so at least I knew like what I was talking about with these guys because I really didn't know much about them. And I'm watching him play, and I'm like, I don't get it. Right? I'm watching Tatum. I'm going, okay, I get it. Okay. Now, he, now Tatum did not play against Penn State. I mean, I, yeah, I saw him, but I mean, he did not play in the game against Penn State. He was hurt down at the Mohegan Sun. Um, but right, you know, sometimes I wonder when, once you get past the first or second pick. Every once in a while, you can maybe get a steal like a Trey Young or Steph Curry a little bit later, or Clay Thompson a little bit later in the first round. But man, I'll tell you, once you get past the first three, and sometimes it's like past the first two. Right? I mean, this. I mean, I did sit down, and I mean, I know it's a highlight tape, and I, I'm not big on highlight tapes, but I've never seen Victor Webinyama play before. So I said, well, I might as well take a look at him. A seven-five. He's not. He's not what you would call thick. <laughs> not in the least. But he can shoot it, he can drive it, he can block shots, he can do a lot of things. He's obviously going to be the first overall pick in the draft. And tonight is ping-pong ball night. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see who ends up with the first overall pick. It would be ironic if the Bulls did. Do you want to know why? Think about this. If the Bulls were to end up with the first overall pick, and I'm not saying they're going to, but say they did, because they're in the lottery, that would mean the Bulls and the Blackhawks would each have the first overall pick. Oh, and by the way, the Bears traded away the first overall pick. It's true. How about that? I mean... Not to mention they'll have a chance for another generational player in the 7-5 Frenchman. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's... You know... I mean, your, your teams are just at the frustrating level where they're just not good enough. I mean, you think they're good enough, but they are not good enough. No. And like I said, I didn't think they were good enough this year. 
I still didn't. This was one of the better rosters, but I still didn't think it was good enough because it's the, the same roster? thing every the Sixers year. Roster. The Sixers roster is not, okay. Tobias Harris starts for you, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's he's part of the problem. Yeah, he starts. Tell me, what is he on the Celtics roster? Yeah, I hear you. I'm told. I'm 100. He doesn't with you. start exactly. He doesn't start. Okay. He doesn't. And not only does he start, he might be the eighth or ninth guy. Yeah, and no he question. starts for you. Your roster is not that good, and that's the problem. This was this was the better of the roster, and it still wasn't that good. That's my point. It's been this way for the last three seasons. That's the reason why the Sixers have been in this part the last three seasons, losing in the semis. Is guess what? Are... They don't have shooting. They don't have guys that can play defense consistently. I think you're becoming the Atlanta Hawks. It's getting to be that way. But that's been the Sixers' problem. When you have a guy like Embiid, you need to surround him with shooting, shooting, and more shooting, and a guy that can also penetrate the inside. You thought you had that with Harden, but you didn't. I think they can do that with Maxi, as I think Maxi can move up a little bit and keep being in that role. I think Harden got in the way of that because Maxi was trying to be that way, and Harden was trying to be like his mentor. I think if you if the Sixers can build around Maxi and Embiid with shooting, shooting, and more shooting, get a couple more guys that can play defense consistently, then they can contend. Because that's how you win in today's NBA. And Daryl Morey and the past GMs of this franchise under Josh Harris have never understood that. Never. Because they're enamored so much with analytics. Exactly. You have to have a feel for personnel to go with. Right? It's okay to have analytics. It's okay to have analytics. There's no okay, nothing wrong with that. All right, zero. But you have to have a feel as to how to use it. All right, and I keep coming back to what is the difference between really good and great in any business. In any business, and it is something that is undefinable. And it's the people who have a feel for the business. All right? So Roger has a feel for the business. Corey has a feel for the business. Tom has a feel for his businesses. All right? Right? The Purdy family has a feel for their business. All right? It's something that it's it's undefinable. But they have the ability where they're not going to make every decision that's like, whoo. But they just get a gut feeling about something. They make a move when others are hesitant to do it. Then when others want to jump in, they, they see the danger of it, whatever. They just have a feel for it. Um, and do I think, for example, Doc has a feel for coaching it? Yeah, Doc does have a feel for coaching, Doc Rivers. But sometimes the guys don't respond to what you do. All right? You know, can you explain to me why Pete DeBoer, who, by the way, is one of the nicest guys I've ever had a chance to sit down and talk with, and he was when he was coaching the Sharks, they were out in Los Angeles, had a chance to sit down and talk with him, rode down the elevator together and just talked for a while. I was like, great guy. Why is he 7-0 and in Game 7s in his career? Why? I mean, is he Harry Sinden? Is he Toe Blake? Is he Glenn Sather? Is he um, Al Arbor? 
he's not he would not be talked about among the greatest coaches in the history of the NHL, but he's really a good one. And last night he ran his record to seven and zero in game sevens. Right? He has a very calm demeanor. Very calm. He's a very calm guy. Right? But explain to me why he's seven and zero in game sevens. He might be a guy, and I'm only saying might be a guy that has a feel for the moment and how to handle it, and players respond to how he handles it. That it's that's a guess on my part. And that's why. why Nick Nurse is at the top for me, because I think he has that kind of feel. Well, obviously the uh, Raptors didn't think that. They canned him. It's always, these are always cases where you get recycled and do you end up with a, with a match between player, personnel, and coach, and it fits. And I could I couldn't guess. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online, sunburymotors.com. For Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Fabulous service department that makes it all work. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online, sunburymotors.com. On a day where Doc Rivers has been fired, a guy I'm never going to fire. He may want to fire me, but that is Neil Kulong. Sir, welcome. We are joined forever. There will be no Sixers and, and uh, Doc Rivers situation going on, though I'm, I'm kind of confused about that myself. Oh, no, that's just a case right. of management. That's just a case of management saying, look, everybody, we did something. Okay, yeah, good for you. Yeah, You didn't yeah. solve the there problem. There's only but... so many moves he can make, right? I, I, yeah. I find it I, – I laughed at this. I, I put it out into social media just to yeah. kind of be a troll and see what people would react to. But <laughs> advancing your team to the playoffs and not winning a championship game gets certain NFL coaches all kinds of job security. Oh, <laughs> my goodness, people yes. People noticed that, but – it's you know I, I don't agree with that. I just think it's funny that you know you get 
you get sick of not winning championships in the NBA. It might not necessarily be the same in the NFL. No, it does not. Uh, we the last we talked, they had not put out the schedule yet. They did put out the schedule. I think leaked uh, like all of it except for two games. <laughs> But they put it out on Thursday. What do you think of them? Let's let's start with the Steelers. What do you think of their schedule in terms of the uh, order of it? Uh, it's different, you know. I was thinking way back in the day when uh, I, we would go over the the schedule this time of the year, probably a little bit earlier. Yeah. And it was like, you know, they they've opened on the road two, three years in a row now, four years in a row now. We got yeah. used to it. Like two generations yeah. have gone by since they played week one at home. <laughs> yeah. That streak was just kind of more nostalgic to me than anything else, I guess. Yeah. But otherwise, it, it's it's schedule. You know, it. it uh, we knew who they were going to play. Um, there are always uh, tough stretches. Every team has a tough stretch of of opponents because, well, there are a lot of good teams in the NFL. There are a lot of teams that are similar to yours, uh, good and bad. Um, I think ending a season, the last two on the road, the last one being at Baltimore is is noteworthy, but I'm not sure um, it will really matter in the grand scheme of things because, if anything, what we've seen from the Steelers the last couple of years is it's the early season that costs them, not the end. So, right. Um, That's right. It, it, uh, it's It's the type of schedule you would have expected them to have back in February when you knew who the opponents were. Mm-hmm. We are basing all of the strength of the opponent on what we knew of them last year. We don't know who they're going to be in September. We have a sense of that, but we don't know. Um, we never do. I think one thing that, that's as close to a sure thing in the NFL as we can get is that Kansas City is going to be a pretty good team. Kansas City's not on their schedule, so right there, that's a that's a bonus. Um, I think they have a very competitive division. I think they will battle uh, to three wins within that division, I wouldn't be surprised if um, only one team has four wins. You know, it, it, it's a tough mm-hmm. set of games. They're all uh, pretty close to each other, and I think they all got better in some way. So uh, again, they'll they'll uh, they'll battle the way that they do there, and uh, you you hope that you know one or two games can flip their way, sort of the way that it did last year, and, and certainly the year before, and they can come away. I, I think. You know, ten and seven uh, is a reasonable expectation. And as you know, I, I felt uh, I, I I have felt this team grossly outkicked its coverage the last two years for where I thought they would be at the beginning yep. of the year. I think this year they've definitely mm-hmm. put uh, the right moves together, and I think they will take a step forward um, and be more consistent. Uh, over 17 games, and the schedule is not a large component of that in my mind. I think they're playing NFL caliber teams. They're better than some of them. They're not better than others. They'll win some games they they shouldn't, and they'll probably lose a few, but they should win. Uh, but I, I think 10 wins is a realistic um, set of circumstances uh, for what they have in front of them. I read Steve Buckley's column today, and in the column he. Now, of course, he covers the Patriots. And Christmas Eve this year is a Sunday. Well, it turns out that, quote, Sunday night football will be played at 8.15 Eastern time, 6.15 in Denver, when the Patriots take on the Broncos. I know the NFL dominates anything, and they play whenever they want, Black Friday, three games on Christmas Day, and so forth. Was there any – what did you think about 
having a Christmas Eve. Pr- I know people are going to watch it, so I know they'll watch it. But the thought of a Christmas Eve primetime game. I think it, I think they would be wise to try not to saturate the life market. You know, there, there kind agree. of comes a point. I, I, see, I agree with you. I agree with you completely, Neil. I think that's what they're doing. Sometimes I think you've got to sacrifice a rating to do like, hey, look, you know what? It's family time. You know, everybody in the NFL, including the Broncos and the Patriots, should be able to be home if you celebrate Christmas Eve. I, I think you've got a triple header on Christmas Day. <laughs> you've, you do. Uh, yeah. You've, you've delved pretty deeply into that cave you know i'm not sure there, there are a whole lot of gems left to find I, I don't you know that that's me that's my opinion um if you are looking at it strictly yep. bottom line yeah here's here's a night that is largely unchecked and unchallenged in terms of ratings uh in the united states i think there's a reason for that though and i think that's probably what you should look at more than anything um you're right though yes people will watch it um to, to suggest everybody celebrates Christmas or Christmas Eve uh, isn't accurate in the United States, and, and you can make the argument that there is a market of people out there that uh, would like something like that for their own thing um, when right. other people are, are yep. doing something else. Um, I, I don't know if that's the NFL's place to, to bother. Um, I don't think it's worth it. I, I, I'd have a tough time selling having to work Christmas Eve night and Christmas Day night. Um, I, yeah. I prefer they didn't. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. I'm biased. Um, my opinion yeah. might not uh, be the best on the subject. I, I do agree. Yes, people would watch it if that is the only, um, if, if that's the only qualification within their philosophy. Um, I, I think they need to to, to you know reexamine uh, that line of thinking. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a good idea for a variety of reasons. They don't need it. I guess more than anything else. They've taken every other holiday within that time period and made it their own. Um, the NBA has had a, a stranglehold on, on Christmas Day for however long. The NFL is trying to, to fight to get that out now. The NFL has Thanksgiving already. Uh, they've taken over New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, uh, largely from college nowadays. Um, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if they need Christmas Eve. That's just me. Yeah, I agree with you. That's, that's just me as well. And you know what? I'll end up watching the game anyway. Right, because they they usually like the Hawaii Bulls on. I usually watch like maybe a quarter and a half of that after everything settles down for the night. You're like, okay, it's like ten o'clock at nine, ten o'clock at night. It's like okay. So I admit I'll be one of the culprits. You know, even though I, I'll be celebrating, I'll be one of the culprits. Um, there's also going to be a playoff game on Peacock, which is lost by the way seven hundred million dollars. Streaming is not the boom everybody thought it was going to be. And what is your thought of a wild card game on Peacock? Um, honestly, I, I don't care. Um, from a business perspective, I think it, it's one of those things they need to find out what the capabilities are. They need to iron yeah. out a process. Uh, that's right. no different than, you know, hey, I got an idea way back in the day. Let's, let's, uh, let's put a game prime time Thanksgiving night. Um, also back in the day, let's see what primetime football would look like if we put it on TV. What if we played on Monday? What would happen? You you need that sense of exploration with this. And when it comes to uh, advancing to the next wave of technology, 
you've got to figure that out, and you're going to have to do it in real time. Um, the fact that it's a playoff game, um, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Refresh me. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think wild card playoff games get substantially higher ratings than regular season games do. That that's the thought. No, they do not. I think I read that somewhere. They 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 do not. The next round does. Yeah, next round does, but not the opening round. But the the big thing with the NFL, I I know this intimately in in the line of work that I'm in. There is something to be said about uh, the volume of work on a full slate of of games versus there being two three games. A lot of it is timing. When are they being played? I say this because, and I, I'm not afraid to say this publicly, the, the Super Bowl is the most overrated media event of the year, without question, of anything. Mm-hmm. It's one game. You have two fan bases only, and you have a bunch of people that casually watch it. Ratings go through the right. roof. People really don't care a whole lot about the game. Okay, When it comes down to it, as far as... Uh, your traffic goes as far as the audience that you can develop in a, in a digital space. It's no different than Monday Night Football, except everybody watched the game. Yeah. So you right. don't generate more. Media companies freak out over it. They they pour in tens upon tens of thousands of dollars into all this coverage. And at the end of the day, it's like you're missing the fact that this is a, a, a glorified party back backdrop. It's not an active event. People don't really sit and watch mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. Yes, there are a large amount of people that do. You know, people like like you and me. We we are into football. Right. We're going to break down the game. Sure. We enjoy that part of it. At the very least, we have work that we have to do with it. So we're going to pay attention to it. 140 right. million people watch the game. An overwhelming majority of those people don't care. It, it's not about that. Right. So right. the point right. that I'm making is you put it on streaming – you have to know what that technology can do, and I think they're choosing a playoff game symbolically to show that they're serious about it. When behind the curtain, the reality is they know that the ratings aren't really all that much bigger than a regular season game, if at all. Um, right. It's just they, right. they want to put it out in kind of a, a, a hype way and just suggest to advertisers, we're serious about this, so we're choosing a marquee game between two allegedly good teams um, in a, a, a win-or-go-home situation, that's a big deal to us. We're putting a lot of capital into this. I don't know how true that really is. I think it's kind of a good safety pick, and certainly a lot better than Week 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I yep. can see why they would want to do this the way that they are, but eventually they're going to need, not, not that they're not. I, the, the experiences I've seen streaming so far, to be honest, have been fine. Um, I, I haven't really noticed a difference one or the other. It's it's, it's fine to me. No. Um, yep. It, we'll, we'll see what they do with, with the, the Peacock iteration of it. But they're going to need to figure out how to get the widget from point A to point B uh, as the mm-hmm. technology increases to the point where they're probably going to do more of this. This is kind of laying the groundwork right. for, for the direction they want to go in. So. Um, well, they're gonna, it's they're inevitable. Gonna, they're it's gonna, good. Um, <clears throat> I'm not moved one way or another, I guess. Yeah, they're going to trade eyeballs, because you'll lose some, for fresh cash, because this is a $110 million deal for Peacock to carry this. $110 million. So, And the NFL, if nothing, is a money tree. Uh, last but not least, the third quarterback has been re-signed for the Steelers. That's Mason Rudolph. I uh, 
I sincerely thought I was done with, with Mason Rudolph. I know. And, I know. Um, he did this I'm to torture long, us. It, it, I'm getting into a long back and forth with a couple people on, on Twitter about this. I, I don't really understand. From an average fan perspective, I get they're not going to think much about paying a player a million cash versus another player 300000 in cash. They don't really care about the, the, the money involved. If you're Art Rooney, you, you care about that. It doesn't matter how much money you yeah. have. You're, you're not ignoring $700,000. I don't understand what they'd be trying to get or what value they think is really going to come from putting another veteran uh, onto the roster and one that last year, though, paid much more than he's going to be paid now. Um, what is he bringing by not dressing for games? Is he the most expensive assistant coach on the roster? I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I will right. pose this, though, without any reporting. This is just an experience-based opinion. I wonder if the, the, the one rookie they brought in, you saw Tanner Morgan play. You remember when he yeah. was a freshman back in 2009 or whenever sure that do. was. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know he is at best physically – Duck Hodges. Yes, he is yes. not no doubt a, a physical player. No, um, doubt. I, I have connections with people who are around the Gophers program. They they say the same thing about him. He's a great leader. He's a, yep. a high character guy. He's yep. very smart. Nobody yep. confuses him for a high level NFL prospect. No, no, I don't think he even confuses himself for a high level NFL prospect. No, I think this he's smart was, enough to know he's not. You kind of thought, though, this is the type of guy. Look, you, you, you start for as long as he did in the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, you're probably going to get a couple pro looks. Sure. Can he pick up as a backup? That's really what you're bringing him in to kind of figure out. Mm-hmm. I, I think they cut the cord pretty quickly because rookie minicamp's not really an evaluation. You know, they, right. they aren't really doing that. They're kind of showing him what to expect come minicamp, which team minicamp is what to expect come training camp. And are you in shape? I think Morgan got hurt. I'm just just a guess. It, it makes a lot more sense to me logically that if Morgan got hurt, you need a quarterback to come in and conduct stuff for mm. minicamp. Right. Here's Mason Rudolph. Now, it makes sense, both sides. We need somebody that knows what they're doing in these things, which is Rudolph. This is not at all a guarantee to make the team, but it also puts your name out into – the world showing people that you're still working, you're still active, you were in a camp, you're doing stuff, you're not sitting on the couch. I don't know if he lasts much longer than that because financially he costs considerably more money than an average, below average player, an undrafted free agent player that you can bring in and start to groom to be a backup. And I know that, one, because the Steelers usually do that. Last year was an anomaly. Okay, they paid a lot of money to keep Trubisky and Rudolph on that roster, and there's reason for that. They didn't know what they had with Pickett yet. It's insurance. I get it. That makes sense. Paying mm-hmm. two veteran backup quarterbacks though seems redundant from a business perspective. If 2019 happens again and two your your, your first two quarterbacks go down and you're stuck with Duck Hodges, yes, you'd probably rather have 
2023 Mason Rudolph than 2019 Doc Hodges. But you, you cross that bridge when you get to it. Right now, they're a 1,000 miles away from that bridge and no reason to think that they're ever going to have to cross it. So why would you make decisions based on that today? I don't see the logic in that. So I don't yeah. think he's going to last. I don't think he's going to be on the roster. I think this is just, you know, we have a need. You need to get out and throw the ball a bit. It gets your name out there a little bit. Let's do business together for, for you know, the next month or so. Um, I would point to this. This is exactly what the Packers did with Blake Bortles when Aaron Rodgers couldn't be bothered to, to go to minicamp and he wasn't sure if right. he was going to play and all that stuff. They brought right. Bortles in to run drills at camp. He got right. cut at the end of, of minicamp. They never expected to keep him on the roster, and they probably told him that. I, I hope that they told him that. It doesn't seem right to not tell him that. I Just my opinion, I think it, 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 it seems more like that's what Rudolph's highest and best value is right. for the Steelers right now. He can be a backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, teams are going to see what they have with their younger players before they, they get into signing uh, veteran backup quarterbacks. It happens all the time uh, come training camp, come July. He'll, he would have more looks than just a third-string quarterback right now, and I don't think the Steelers will want to pay him uh, uh, the minimum for his uh, level of service is, is over a million dollars. I don't think they'd want to pay him that to be a third-string quarterback. Right. Um, that's just my opinion. Reminds me of that line from the movie Apollo 13, where Jim Lovell, whom I've had the privilege of interviewing, right, looks at the other two astronauts who are arguing, and he says, look, there are 800 things that have to happen between now and then. We're up to number seven. Okay, so. Yeah, exactly. All right. Not get too far ahead of ourselves. We don't need to worry about an emergency quarterback in May, okay? And if we do, it's to throw balls to the other undrafted free agents who aren't going to make <laughs> That's really what it is. Just conduct a full camp. My friend, great week. Look forward to talking next week. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. Neil Kulong. Except for the beginning, we avoided talking about Doc Rivers. Um, Doc has already texted the show. He doesn't seem to be a big fan of yours. Cool. I I don't know what we're drawing. And he only texted because he wanted to wish you a happy birthday. Well, God. <laughs> hey, I still appreciate it, but guess what? If you wanted to have have me have a happy birthday, you'll want to want game seven. Well, I should have run out some different players. <laughs> I still had a good birthday, though. It's okay. Very good, in fact. All right. I mean, one day you're ripping everybody and you want people fired. The next day you're three-year-olds out cutting the lawn and the neighbors are confused. (laughs) All right, I I don't know what's going on with you. (laughs) Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK.